Oh, hello there, guys. Um, it's me, Petrospectivus, back once again with another episode of Caged In. Uh, this was recorded uh, on the 13th of April for 2018, obviously, because uh, it didn't go that far back in time. Uh, it didn't, yeah, it didn't predate earlier episodes. Uh, this is the episode for Bad Lieutenant. Um, this isn't me coming back full time uh i'm not sure what the plan is yet i possibly will finish off this journey it feels like a bit of a waste to not do that but i don't know those of you who followed all the social media which is now closed down would have seen that i don't know i've had some personal shit going on that i'm not really gonna get onto on this intro but one thing i want to say to you guys is fucking look after yourselves all right just Make sure your head is okay and do things because you enjoy it. And if this thing does come back full time, it's not going to be weekly. It's going to be when I fucking feel like it and when it's fun for me because that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, I'm not getting paid to do this. I've received no money for this. Even the time that this podcast hasn't been up, I'm still paying money for it to be hosted just so more people can listen to it if they want to. And uh, I don't really care if they do. Uh, I've stopped looking at stats. I've stopped posting on social media about it. And I feel fucking great for doing so. So if it does come back, there'll be none of that. There'll be no stat checking. There'll be no... Uh, social media it's just there for you guys who may have kept the subscription not realized that it had gone at all in the first place so yeah let's get back to it enjoy this one bye the date is friday the 13th of april 2018 and i am here on an overcast day to talk about the 2009 film Bad Lieutenant. I am joined by the ever-fabulous, ever-charming and knowledgeable Bob Turnbull. How are you, sir? I'm very good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, but (laughs) this train must roll on through to the station that is Cage Town. Absolutely. And uh, I will not let anything stop me, whether that be illness, whether that be a um, bad weather... I don't know how that would ever stop me. An, the only, an alligator in the road. <laughs> exactly. Or even, even I think the only thing that would ever slow me down from doing this is if uh, death or the internet went down, <laughs> which for some people are very comparable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're here to talk about Bad Lieutenant, and as always, you know the drill. Have you seen this film, Bob? I've, I've seen it in the cinema, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you, like, without spoiling it, just kind of give us, like... A yes or no to whether this is a worthy cage title. It's it's definitely a worthy cage title, definitely. Oh, I am looking forward to getting <laughs> stuck in because I've never seen this film. Have so. you not? No. Oh wow! Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> this is gonna be great. So I am. I'm looking forward. I have obviously seen the film. This like just before recording, me and Bob were talking about the fact that this shares a title. With the Abel Ferrara, I think it's like early '90s film uh, starring Harvey Keitel, which I have seen. This is a great film, yeah. Yeah, and it's very dark and like yeah, super dark. I think it's 
burnt into my mind that scene of him. Uh, I always found it quite humorous of him like pouring a glass of vodka and then just necking from the bottle <laughs> yeah. and then like just there naked in his apartment, kind of like I don't know, shaking around. Going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that's, and there's that's, a lot of crazy stuff brutal, in that, like about nuns. It's real dark. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, like assault and stuff. It's yeah, really like, like the, the raping of a nut. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really got some like, heavy fucking subject matter. Yeah, yeah. And like, I really want to see if I was because no joy in that film. Actually. Not, not yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, like, and he re- like there is some real brutal and disturbing scenes and they're like it's a very hard film to get on board with because obviously your protagonist is essentially majorly flawed not just not just like a kind of anti-hero yeah, he yeah. is like very much bordering on being immoral yeah, and he's disgusting a, he's a bad guy yeah, yeah. so i'm exciting to see where Werner herzog has taken nicolas cage in this film uh, Werner herzog fantastic I, I, guy I can't even believe that he wanted to remake it or whatever it's such it's it's a weird combo I mean I, I can imagine why he would have enjoyed the original but I it seems like a really weird thing to do has it I mean he's remade he made he remade Nosferatu before that um, but I, can't, I don't think he's remade anything else so these are his two remakes Herzog's yeah, I'm I'm, I'm interested because I remember briefly hearing somewhere along the line of possibly I will I will look at this after we watch the film yeah. so that when we come back I can clarify. But hearing something about uh, Herzog being quite disparaging to the original and kind of like oh, really like he didn't like it. Yeah, like it's like and like I think someone had like maybe tried to put comparisons to it. Ugh. Don't hold me on that. There may be a total. 180 on that when we come back a bit later. I mean, that, that makes it make even less sense that he'd want to adapt it. it it's fucking weird. I don't know. I think I think maybe the idea of working with Cage like appealed to him. And no, like, I can definitely imagine that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now 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 that uh, now that he's lost his main man, old uh, what's he called, what's he called? Oh, suddenly I can't remember his name. The fantastic guy from Wrath of God. Uh, Fritz Lang. No, not Fritz Lang. No, no, no. no he's the director he's... of Metropolis. Oh, yeah, of course he is. Um... <laughs> uh, what's, it, what's he called? I can, suddenly can't remember his name. Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski. And, and you know, he was he was in so many different Herzog films. He was like his main man. He was a wild man. You're a crazy guy. In, in, in many ways, probably has a lot in common with Cage in terms of acting styles. Well, I imagine, like, he's kind of dabbled with Hollywood's crazy men throughout his career, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Willem Dafoe. Yes, of is he is he in? Um, he's in my son. My son, what have you done? Um, yeah, that's right. Who's in Nosferatu? Nosferatu. It is um, Klaus Kinski as as Nosferatu, and the dude from Wim Wenders' Wings of Desire as the as the as the guy who sort of goes into Dracula's lair, kind of thing. Oh, amazing! Like, so Wing, Wings of Desire yeah, is actually yeah. uh, a link to Nicolas Cage because that is the um, inspiration behind uh, oh, City yeah. of Angels of course yeah the yeah. like mid 90s kind of very bizarre uh, <laughs> like religious film about a ma- uh, an angel falling in love with a woman and stripping of his wings and obviously yeah it was also also to link it back to Defoe again the sequel's got Defoe in it Two Wings of Desire oh fantastic yeah, <laughs> yeah I know that is that is absolutely amazing um <laughs> 
So have you been practising your um, Herzog impression for... Uh, I, I, I haven't been practising, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to whip it out later on. Oh, fantastic. So <laughs> I, ima- I imagine looking at the direction of this film, we will, we will definitely be able to like analyse or like kind of come up with what may have been said on set when he was directing <laughs> Cage. Um, but Herzog, like, I haven't seen... I don't think I've seen any of the films he's directed, but... I love, uh, apart from some of the documentaries that I've seen, um, yeah. uh, Enter the Void, uh, uh, in, Into the Abyss. Into uh, the Abyss, yeah, the one about, yeah. the one about jail and the stuff. Fantastic, I've seen uh, Elements of Lo and Behold, and, yeah. um, but like him as an actor and like a voice actor is yeah. fantastic. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, of all films, I think it's Jack Reacher, he plays oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the villain. And I, it's just, I remember Herzog said that he was worth every penny. He said in response to why he did that role. I was like, Amazing. Doesn't he get a guy to cut off his own, to eat his own fingers or something? Well, Herzog, I think, has like stumps for fingers Does and he? stuff. Oh, He's wow. very, very sinister guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea to get him as a villain. But a very interesting, like, director and person yeah, having, like, auteur, yeah. in the past, like, actually gone through with the promise of like uh i will eat my own shoe (laughs) and directed a film of like like what when 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 being proven wrong actually went through with the idea of eating his own shoe and was famously (laughs) shot during an interview with mark commode right oh yeah of course he was shot with an air rifle wasn't he yeah yeah good lord in the leg and he sort of he rolls up his trouser leg and there's just this there's just this like sort of bullet hole there and he's like no I can't do the voice now he's like, he's like continue the interview <laughs> <laughs> which is the, the the dogged determination that I like to I like to embrace myself and go through this journey you're doing a podcast someone just shoots you in the leg I will carry on that's how much I'm dedicated to this wild ride guys so um, I've got a little uh, anagram up front from my good old friend Thomas dub, uh, underscore W underscore Hunter on Twitter. And that's for the title of this film, Bob. Mm-hmm. So that is Tailband United or Anal Debut Night. Oh, that's much, that's much better. <laughs> I like the uh, the latter rather than... So what, like... <laughs> what can we? What what do we think that anal debut night may 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 conjure up that may may have some uh, tangential link to the film we are about to watch? Obviously, without spoiling anything, because you have seen this. Like, I I I think that this may say something about the depravity and the disgustingness <laughs> sure. of the scenes we are about to see. Hopefully, we are going to get to the bows. Of New Orleans, <laughs> it's not New. Like, that's the thing. Pronunciation. Are you are you a New 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 Orleans guy or New Orleans guy? I'm a New Orleans guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt the the, the traditional Southern dialect with the <laughs> New Orleans. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be very much a New Orleans guy. And Cage actually has some very interesting uh, links to New Orleans himself. Oh yeah. Having owned a uh, famous, oh, like, yeah. murder house that yeah. was in New Orleans. Um, and also having his mausoleum. Ah, yeah, the, that crazy pyramid. Crazy pyramid. They're ready for the fateful day that hopefully 
Well, I imagine will never come. Yeah, yeah. Because the man has been spotted in photos as early as the (laughs) mid-1800s. Which leads me to believe he is just an interdimensional, like, eternal, immortal vampire. No, I hope so. That will carry on for generations and generations. (laughs) Vampire's Kiss was actually a documentary. Oh, definitely. (laughs) He he is. He is this soothsaying, mystic spirit. Spirit that is just sent here to test the realms of insanity in acting yeah. for our modern age, <laughs> yeah. and then will kind of transpose into another profession in another, yeah, in another yeah. life. Yeah. Some believe he may have actually been yeah. Rasputin. Oh wow! No, that is just me. <laughs> that is just me, guys. I've uh, I don't know why I'm like very fixated on Rasputin at the moment. <laughs> I, I saw a photo. You, of, you look a little bit like Rasputin yourself. I, one of the strangest things, when looking at photos of Rasputin, he looks like my dad. Wow, that's amazing. Have you asked your dad? I don't really. I don't like. <laughs> I don't really want to because I'm scared of the answers. I'm, I'm scared to now do like Ancestry.com or anything like that and see that a high percentage of my bloodline comes from Russia. And uh, I'll tell you one thing though. I'm not as well endowed as Rasputin. <laughs> who uh, you can actually Google. You can do this at home, guys. But oh yeah. His penis has been preserved in formaldehyde and was in a museum until his daughter bought back her own father's penis. Oh, Jesus. What, to sort of stop people from looking at it? Yeah, but I think staring into the eye of that penis (laughs) should be done by, like, weirdos and the general public than your own daughter. Yeah, I know. Surely that's got to be a mood killer if you're, like, having a potential, like, suitor round. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's just, that's my dad's dick. dick. <laughs> yeah. An urn would be a lot more... To, to get to get a motive about it, maybe she just wanted to bury it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, little, yeah, that, little, that obviously brings up some... Like, a little sort of ceremony for a penis, you know. Jodorowsky talks about that. A little, yeah? A little funeral for a, for a single penis. I would like to... I would like to... All I can imagine is a very peculiar, like, end of carry style, the penis coming from the grave. <laughs> yeah. An erect penis bursting out of the soil. <laughs> um, well, that's enough about Rasputin's cock. <laughs> Um, um, this is gonna be good. <laughs> so let's just get on and get raging with Cage. He's walking the beat. He's the bad man on the street. That was Nicholas Cage in Bad Lieutenant. How did you find it for a second time, Bob? I assume second time. It was. I time. think it's actually the third time. Actually, um, third I, time's a charm. Third time's a charm. I mean, I, I still, I really enjoyed it. Uh, in, in many ways uh, differently to how I, I viewed it before I sort of don't know if it's just the mood I'm in the fact that it's the third time around but um, but I do think it is a good film I didn't quite enjoy it on that sort of visceral level I did the other two two occasions um, I remember laughing a lot more the last time maybe I was just a bit more pissed I'm not sure but um, but I remember finding it a lot, a lot funnier than it was this time this time I thought it was more con- contemplative as a movie I thought that like this would have been there would have been more like manic manic cage do you know what I mean like yeah. real off the handle and like it, 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 it's there in places definitely like there's it's a few got, key it's, scenes there yeah yeah that are like but I thought it was gonna be like balls to the wall like <laughs> yeah. real real like raging cage throughout. <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean like almost like on par with like um a face off or um 
a vampire's kiss. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of seems like tempered down, and I'm not sure if that is the influence of Werner Herzog. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. He's trying to try to sort of put a lid on it a little bit to sort of make it like realistic, or or like I don't know. Has he managed to kind of find that essences of Cage that work yeah. and like distill them down and in, in, in not letting him? I don't know. Perhaps in other films from like listening to uh, audio commentaries on um, Vampire's Kiss and just doing a lot of research into that film, mm. I know that like the director like and didn't really know they like they both didn't know what was going to happen in the film. Wow. So it sounded like Cage was left a lot to his own devices, and he himself has uh, likened his performance and like. Um, Taken inspiration from the original Nosferatu. Wow. In like very much like his kind of angular body movement. Yeah. And that of like silent cinema specifically. Mm. Which brings me on to like a very good like point of how this film like kind of links all the way back, not just with Cage's like performance in Vampire's Kiss being that very much like um Max Schreck's in the of original Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, obviously, Werner Herzog, as you said earlier, directed the remake of that in mm-hmm. um, 2000. There's also kind of a like third link to that, because obviously Nosferatu is based on the um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. which in 1992 was made into a uh, feature film by none other than Francis Ford Coppola. So bringing it kind of like, there's a holy trinity of how like Herzog, Cage and Coppola kind of meet in this weird... Yeah, is that the one with with Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe and Gary Oldman, I believe. I I think it's, no, Gary Oldman's in the, is in, I'm confused now. Because there's one basically where, where Dafoe plays Max Schreck. Um, he's, he actually plays the actor from, and they're filming Nosferatu, but he's like the actual real deal. No, that is that is a that is an entirely different film. Oh right, okay. So the, no, so, the, yeah. the, so the foe's not in uh, Coppola's one. So Coppola's one's a separate one. Yes, Coppola's yeah. um, Nick Cage's actual. There is a further link actually because Nick Cage's company Saturn Films mm. went on to produce the movie you're talking about, which ah. is the making of um, Monaru's Nosferatu called Shadow of the, the Vampire, Vampire in 2000. I'm, yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, which yeah. again brings it like <laughs> yeah. Cage has his fingers in that Nosferatu pie very <laughs> yeah. deeply. Um, that bloody pie. I find yeah. that I find that great though. Like those kind of like weird. Um, I don't know, I found in, in my yeah. own personal life, the links to Cage are like... Because I, I went to uh, an exhibition for um, the Isle of Dogs in London. I saw, like, the props and stuff like that. And I saw uh-huh. the film. And the moment walking out of the cinema, I turned around to my girlfriend and said, like, oh, did you notice that film was written by uh, two of Nicolas Cage's cousins? Because it says, story by... Uh, Wes Anderson, obviously Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola, and it's almost <laughs> yeah. like I can't, I can't, I can't escape the just cage. Like, I have yeah. this kind of um, like a beautiful mind style. Like I can see the code in front of me wherever I go, and it all just leads back to Nicolas Cage. Like, fantastic. I'm almost like piecing together like six degrees of Nicolas Cage in anything I do, or watch, <laughs> or see. Um, 
so yeah, this film, like, like briefly, what would you kind of in like a kind of five sentence or do you know what I mean like a brief summation of what this film is really about? Like, just just plotline, really, not like I'd say I'd say a sort of a corrupt police officer in a post New uh, post uh, Hurricane Katrina New Orleans um, sort of roams around trying to solve cases involving like involving one specific murder sort of drug a drug related case um and in between sort of um it deals with his relationship to a prostitute he's kind of in love with and he, and him sort of trying to obtain drugs illegally um by taking them out of the the uh, the evidence locker of the of the um you know of the of the of the evidence locker well uh, yeah I, is that it i feel it's a lot of like it's kind of built up of vignettes of this guy's life i mm, found like yeah. like the film many points felt like it kind of like very easily just kind of shifted maybe like a 45 degree angle into like it kind of felt unsettled of where it was going next like it doesn't have a it's it is coherent but you don't but it doesn't really have a story that that goes from a to b to c to you know what i mean yeah 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 it's kind of it's sort of it darts about where it wants to in order to show you or reveal more about 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 cage's character about this kind of but you never really still know why he's uh, why he's so corrupt or or what it, what his sort of disdain for, well, yeah. for conventional morality that doesn't really you never really hear about that what we're led to believe almost is like because in the in the opening scene that scene in the uh, prison cells like mm-hmm. I imagine it is like very close after the aftermath of Katrina with the uh, prisoner it's still flooded right? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah prisoner yeah. being flooded and like whether he'll save him or not. Mm. I'm not sure whether it's meant to be that, like, he is a relatively... Like, he seemed to be a relatively good guy because he goes in to actually save the guy, even though, like, joking about and having bets of whether the guy... Like, how long it'll take... Disabling himself in the process as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure whether we're supposed to believe that that is the catalyst Mm. for him, like... Is it this back pain? Is that, like... That's why you need to take so many drugs. That, the, that I mean, they directly say that, yeah. Yeah, the manifestation of his, like... Do you know what I mean? Is is that the thing that pinpoints, like... Is that the moment where he kind of went off the rails? Because it's also, as soon as as soon as he saves the guy, it then cuts to a shot of um, of Cage limping onto the onto the stage to receive an award for his for his work in the post Katrina, you know, city. So I think that is directly saying that he is, was given an award for saving that guy. So you, as an audience member, you're not really sure did he deliberately jump in because he knew well I'll get a medal out of this and this will be this will progress my career further. Kind of, I'm not sure if that's what it means or not. But yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and that's what I like about this because mm. it is very ambiguous and like doesn't explain, like doesn't doesn't explain his motivations for a lot of things. Like as you mm. said, we don't go into. There isn't any. There isn't something. Like I, I turn around to you and it's like, what, what actually happened? Like when he jumped into that water, like it didn't. Mm. It wasn't as like ham-fisted as a lot of films would have it, portrayed it, it in other hands. This would have been a very like clear cut either like a redemption yeah. story but this is more of a character study I mm, thought yes of, absolutely of this, which is which is guy. really good for Cage and the, the, I mean to, to, to showcase his abilities it's, it's perfect something like this um, but it's interesting I think the only scene where it really you kind of get down to realising that he is a he is a very bad guy I mean there are a couple of scenes in it like where he takes the woman's oxygen away and he 
he shoves the gun in their face and he's like you're the you're the reason why the society is 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 you know crumbling apart yeah, or yeah. something R- ripping ripping the inheritance money out of your grandkids like what the fuck are you achieving by just being alive basically yeah, yeah exactly yeah i mean that is you truly kind of feel like he is a, a, an awful person and also has has no um no sort of love or compassion in his heart but in the scene where which which is the only scene to my memory i haven't watched the original bad lieutenant for a long time but in the original bad lieutenant and uh, there's a scene where he where he sort of uh, masturbates in front of a car and forces a forces a girl who who's committed a crime to um to basically get her ass out or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and um and this is this really perverted heinous scene where you see how bad Harvey Cartel's lieutenant really is but but in this movie they kind of echo that with that scene where Cage uh, pulls over a couple um, who are kind of taking some drugs or they're going to do something in an alley they're getting a bit sexy and he kind of ends up he ends up making making the girl sort of have sex with him while sort of forcing her boyfriend to watch at gunpoint and he and he's saying this stuff to her while everything's getting a bit sexy and he's doing sort of crack with her and he's saying things about like oh yeah I bet your parents they remember you when you were a little girl and like they never uh, turned up to your school play yeah and stuff like that and, and at this point I mean really you're like oh my god this guy's really fucked up yeah 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 like that's really strange. I mean, it's obviously like absolute power, like power control. But he he's kind of he's getting off on on these little details, and that that makes you think. I mean, there is it's yeah, it's no kind of fucking redemption story. This no, guy no, is a no, piece of shit. And like, I just find I don't know. I find it interesting, like, to see Cage in this role because obviously, mm. like, I don't know. It seems like. A lot of the stuff he's done, like recently up until this point in like the journey I'm taking, yeah. like this is by far the most like interesting because it is it's not like a big studio film and it's not a super low budget like cash grab. Like, no, a lot no, of them, a lot of them seem to be or like rumored to be like engages yeah. part. This actually seems like it has some artistic merit and obviously like. Werner Herzog's direction is great. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the moments that that clearly our Werner Herzog has brought to the table. Mm, mm. Um, I believe that that scene we were just like referencing about like the kind of I don't know is it like a rape? I don't know, like but like that yeah, kind of like kind of, weird it, it plays it plays with that in a sort of straw dogs kind of way. It plays with what whether or not it's consensual or not. She kind of she 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 directly says to him like, "Oh, if this is what it takes, if this is what it takes." But there's a kind of there's a an almost like porno like sort of seduction to it, which makes you think that it's not that. Maybe that's just to make the scene more palatable for audiences because obviously if it wasn't, it would be. I think it would be very difficult to, to to keep watching the movie once you know that he's just that bad without that kind of without it being more of a consensual thing. Well, yeah, and you said like it kind of cuts abruptly as well. It does. It looks like the take goes on much, much longer, and it just fades out. And I don't know if that's because I reckon they had to do that take loads of t- <coughs> sorry, loads of times to get it right because it's quite a complex scene. It's all in one shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think maybe so. Maybe there w- there was supposed to be more, which would have sort of completed <coughs> what was going on. Um, but they just sort of like phase out at this point because this was the this was the best cage take. I don't know. Or yeah, that is like more than could have been the censors it could have been the studio being like whoa yeah we've got the point like exactly yeah that's he is true. a bad guy like you don't need to like, and, and later on when they they, they 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 repeat it toward the end of the movie they repeat that scene but with a different couple to show you that he does i mean it's in exactly the same car park and like, he is like 
line for line saying the exact same spiel. Yeah, that like yeah. empty your pockets, empty the handbag out. The couple e- even look like it seems to be the exact same spot, the exact same car park, mm, like. Mm. And like they even like vaguely look similar. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, yeah. And the, and the only difference between those scenes really is that um, that this time around it co- it fades away at, th- at that point. So before anything gets sexy or weird or he does drugs with them or anything like that, it just completely cuts it out because once again it's saying you've got the point. You know what I mean? You know what he's about to do. We don't have to show you again. But it also like because he eventually the neck it cuts to that from that moment mm. to him doing drugs in a hotel room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which like I don't know if that is like if there is supposed to be like an element of like redemption in that that like maybe he like has curbed like the the writ like he's still he's still he's still got his vices mm. but like I don't know he's 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 only he's only like grabbing people for, for for the drugs now maybe he's not going that far yeah. I don't know I just don't know like there is a reading of this film and I'm not sure if it is like what entirely what it's about but I definitely can see that this film is a like is Ver- Werner Herzog's take on the kind of Bush the Bush administration's treatment of the survivors of Hurricane Katrina, mm, I I think that's possible. I mean, I'm I'm sure Herzog is a guy who's done a lot of documentaries as well. That he does really care about the sort of you know the the, the downtrodden and people who have kind of been fucked over by these kind of systems of of you know governmental control and stuff. I'm I'm sure he does care because about that. The sort of script thing. for this was actually set in New York, just very much like the Harvey Keitel Abel Ferrara. Version. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Herzog said like. For budgetary reasons, it was cheaper to film in New Orleans, mm. but at the same time, he wanted New Orleans to be a living, breathing character. Wow, yeah, that that feeds into the film, and you see that with like references to like the bayou and like the kind of old like plantation style houses that are kind of yeah these synonymous with the kind of South and yeah. specifically New Orleans, yeah. like um, but. Yeah, back to the point about like the kind of uh, the treatment of the survivors of Katrina yeah. and how that ties into the Bush administration through this film is that even at the end, even though he throughout the film we have seen him do all this heinous, horrible stuff, he yeah. is still commended for it and yeah. like given a promotion again to captain. Yeah, and yeah. it's like even though the government may not have done. Every like what they should have and could have done to help these people, inevitably it will be them that gets the pat on the back for the small handouts that they may have given. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and there's almost a feeling of like even within the the police force that even though they know that Cage is like a bad guy kind of thing, or they know they they kind of know that he takes drugs and this kind of thing, he still gets the job done, and he and he's not only rewarded later on, you know, by give, being given medals and stuff, but he's cracking cases, he's he's solving cases by being almost like like a gonzo journalist. He's like involved in it. He's like, yeah, but, um, but but directly as a result, he can point you to the house where you'll find the drugs or the fingerprints and stuff like that. I and mean, there's one point where this kind of lackey sort of. Uh, 
you know, smaller cop character, kind of like, you know, less uh, in a smaller position. He literally says to Cage, oh, you've got another one of your visions again, (laughs) you know, suggesting that he's done this before, but he can't tell he can't tell people why why he knows what he knows, because he's obviously embroiled in the crimes themselves. It's kind of it's pretty fascinating stuff. Well, yeah, because the moment they're talking about is because he he kind of dupes the uh, the bad guy thereafter, um, known as Little Fate. Yeah. Uh, played by the amazing Exhibit. Most of you may remember him from <laughs> Pimp My Ride. Oh, well, or, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or obviously his illustrious rap career and affiliations with such people as Fifty Cent, Dr. Dre, all that, all that jazz. He's great um, in it. He's great in it. But yeah. like, he dupes him into like taking a hit on his like lucky crack pipe, <laughs> yeah. and then that is what is then planted at the scene of the oh, crime. I didn't even fucking put that together. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So like, and it's great to see like exhibit in this kind. He's very much living in this like plantation house as well yeah and i yeah. think that's like a very like real interesting imagery obviously like a man like as much as he is like this crime boss and like but like he has aspirations to kind of get out of the game and go go straight as it were yeah, yeah. Um, he also says things that's kind of a weird race thing because he says like you know, I don't want to be killing any more purple, uh, sort of like black dude. He refers to like people who've come from Africa. He doesn't want to deal with African gangsters. Um, he explicitly wants to uh, wants to wants to deal with Cage instead. Seems he kind of just out of nowhere sort of cuts to a shot of a of an albino alligator sort of swimming through the water. <laughs> and I don't know if that was made at a similar time to this, but there's just I mean I don't know. I also don't know if there are any other lizards in uh, other Herzog works. But I know that clearly he's got some fucking interest in lizards, and I don't know if it. it I think on a weirdly primal level, it doesn't have anything to do with a with a direct metaphor. I think he just he just really likes the fact that these lizards are lizards. Well, yeah, because there's a moment like that. It feels like it could be something more when because um, Cage kind of gets embroiled by like beating up one of uh, Eva Mendes's character, the oh. great Eva Mendes. Like one problem I have with that character, and like partly with this film is that she's supposed to play like a kind of like drug addict like mm. riddle like really really bad like him Shh, himself it don't they don't look they don't look as bad as they should do. They, you do see her applying makeup though like it is it is a facade that truly inside she's like rotten or you know or rotting yeah 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 and he's obviously facilitating that process in the end it's only actually his dad who we don't really find out that much about other than that he's a he's an alcoholic who who's who's in recovery um, and uh, and he in the end, after she's forced to um, to stay there in hiding from these kind of gangsters that uh, that 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 Cage has kind of got. Well, she kind of got herself involved with them, but Cage has tried to amend them beating her up, um, and in doing so, has got in trouble with this uh, with with the, with the sort of powers that be, the the powerful gangsters that this guy is connected to. Well, yeah, and they've obviously followed Cage mm. in his exploits now dealing with uh, Little Fate. Yeah, and they kind of turn up, but it's at a moment when they have like the kind of, I don't know, almost like Tarantino esque shootout. Yeah, and like I say Tarantino because that there's that juxtaposition of the use of like music, like like a kind of, I don't know what it is. Like it's um, 
It's obviously harmonica, but I don't know what oh, the exact, this, exact it, track. Whoop, whoop, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Herzog actually uses that that song in another film. He uses that song. I think the film is called Strozek. It's a film about like a, a sort of accordion player. And at the very end of the movie, there's a scene where they they've got this kind of box in like an old carnival, and you put a penny in, and it's got a chicken in the box, and it heats a plate underneath the chicken, so it makes the chicken almost look like it's dancing. <laughs> and it's been this woo wee woo kind of crazy sort of music, and it's like so there must be some sort of relation between that either that or once again just like the lizards i think herzl just really likes that song yeah and but there's that moment like when that happens like you have this kind of break dancing man who's <laughs> dressed up like the head honcho gangster yeah and like the uh cage says like shoot him again because i can see his soul dancing yeah, but you don't yeah. see it at first and then the camera pans around and there is this guy break dancing yeah. which like it just it's almost like it's quite Lynchian in like it's kind of portraying like yeah. I wasn't expecting to see that and like I half <laughs> yeah. expected when I first heard the like because it's something like uh, like a solo harmonica almost you, I couldn't tell if it was like diegetic or non-diegetic sound I yeah, almost yeah. expected to turn around the camera does that mean around, we, oh right within the film to actually be <laughs> playing the harmonica and it wouldn't have phased me one little bit <laughs> yeah, like, I would have yeah. just been like yep yeah, that is that is what's but then the lizard crawls out which like back Ah, to my point I was trying to make that like that that made me think maybe there is something like are they like the harbingers of death or something like that are they kind of like um like a reptile scene in that way it could be yeah I mean the scene yeah the scene earlier we've seen a few lizards so we see um uh, uh an alligator um, in the road with its with its leg kind of still twitching while its guts are sort of spilled out. This sort of great animatronic alligator. The club where where he uh, looks for couples to clearly like molest or whatever is called like the Alligator Lounge or something yeah, like that. G- g- gator Club. Gator Club. Yeah. And then finally, when uh, well, within the, in the middle of the movie, uh, he's kind of uh, cages in a scene where they're sort of staking out a house or something. They've uh, and and during the scene, he says, "Why are there why are there fucking iguanas on my on my kitchen table or my dinner table or something?" my coffee table maybe and um, and the cops go there's no iguanas man no iguana no iguana I then felt it was a bit unnecessary that he slapped an iguana <laughs> he does pop on like slap it doesn't he <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah but they're, they're like regal like especially like the colours on one of them like that real vibrant green like yeah yeah and then it kind of like it's a real shame that like action cams weren't to like yeah. the 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 like de- high definition that they are today like imagine like <laughs> yeah. with like the newer gopros now like that stuff would have looked super sharp super sharp and like really because f- it almost like it's it's really it takes you like, out of it jarring almost. yeah jarring yeah. because it's almost like it looks like kind of weird behind the scenes like footage and like <laughs> yeah. it's just got like caves. I quite like that yeah, I, I, I quite, do, I quite yeah. like it. it it has a bit of a Harmony Kareen kind of vibe to it a bit a bit a bit sort of trash humpers or gummo or something it's all suddenly it's fly on the wall and kind of dodgy it, it, but it also reminds you that it's a film that's that's the strange thing when you when you do that in a movie you do it at the risk of sort of removing the audience yeah, from yeah, the yeah. illusion you know, and that's I, I, may, I can only imagine for a man as experienced and 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 and, and you know artistic as Herzog is that he he's, he's fucking definitely doing that on purpose. So Nicholas, I want you to stare <laughs> at the iguana <laughs> and vow you just stare into the distance. <laughs> I imagine that 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 is somewhere along the direction. I like 
I'm not sure if there's like, do you know any like stories of like Herzog of what he's like as a director? Is he like a taskmaster, or is he like a kind of like free spirit? On, it's on the I, I think I think a bit of a mixture of both, but he I, I think he, he he very much gets what he wants. I've heard stories of him like dying dying rats brown. Um, at the kind of at the risk of these kind of rats perishing in the process because he needed the rats to be that specific color and he's very like got he, will, he I mean he, he says his one rule for filmmaking is that you, you should have a pair of bolt cutters on you all the time wow. you know that's his one that's his one thing so you can sort of get into any area you need to shoot you know he's got a very like visceral kind of yeah. like experience based process of of making movies sometimes to the detriment perhaps of his performers and the animals well there <laughs> is a great little fact for this film um According to Herzog himself, 2,400 cans of decaf coffee had to be used to make the water to appear uh, like river water in the jail scene. Oh, my God. Um, Which, like, it gets even further, like, it gets bizarre because their first (laughs) attempt was to use paint, which turned out to be, like, toxic. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, obviously, and um, the team had used regular coffee as well. But, like, what they didn't factor in is that, like, the uh, the actor who was, like, trapped in the jail cell under the water was absorbing the coffee oh my through God. his skin. Oh, my God. So must have been just, like, super charged whilst they're filming, Whoa. like, trying to deliver, like, some kind of panic thing that Herzog's probably like, this is too much. You are giving me too much energy. You are a man facing death, but you are not looking into the abyss. You are clearly, clearly deranged. And it's like, he's just, I don't know, like that, that, that stuff like that is, is great. I know, I know. And also like, as you know, if, if, if as you said, uh, a lot of this film was impro- improvised as well, right? Well, like, I think far more of, like, the poetic moments, like, well, not just improvised, but stuff was, like, in pre-production. Yeah. Um, Herzog, like, kind of took some of the stuff and said, like, we're getting rid of that. Like, I've got... Or, like, adding scenes in and stuff mm. like that. Like, mm. um, I'm trying to think specifically... What the what scenes scene was, are? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, I, I think the, the uh, one thing I found really interesting about the fish scene. So he goes into a house, um, and and basically, I can't remember. He's trying to take some. It's some sort of drug related thing. Is it related to the main case where he finds that fish? That he goes, yes, he, it is in the house of the Senegalese family. Right, yeah, that have been massacred. The kind of catalyst, like the the. It, oh, so that's why the kids have died as well. Because he mentions that later, like children were killed in the massacre, and so he finds this fish. Which uh, which was clearly uh, you know the pet of this uh, of this child that's been killed, and um, and the fish is in in a little cup um, with just a small amount of water. It's a Vietnamese fighting fish, a rumble fish, which again yeah uh, links this back not just to Nicolas Cage because this was um, a reference to rumble fish. Well, I don't think intentionally, but maybe yeah a reference to rumble fish. Obviously, the great Mickey Rourke and uh, Matthew. No, no. Um, Matt Dillon, yeah, Matt Matthew. Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew Dillon. Matthew, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm being formal here today, guys, on the Cajun <laughs> podcast. Um, but, yeah, a reference to that, obviously directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and as I said, Nicolas Cage's second film. And it's, like, yeah. stuff like that that, like, it might not mean anything, but to, like, keen cinephiles or just, like... Yeah, it seems to have some connection. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, and, like, they're, they're just... 
I'm not sure, like, it could have been with Hertz or just, like, a pure aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a dazzling fish, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really does. Fish are beautiful. And it's also a fighting fish, you know. That's the thing, that these fish are, like, very violent. And if you put one in another tank with another, it will literally kill it. Yeah. You know, flat out. So there's something kind of interesting about that. What I really find, uh, I, I really love about that scene is the poem that, uh, that that Cage reads aloud, which the child has written about his fish, and it's kind of a it's a it's a badly spelt um, kind of beautiful poetic sort of thing about the the idea of the fish being a, like a cloud, um, and uh, and there's just something that really in this film of just absolute depravity and 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 sort of weirdness that really sticks out as being quite sort of like heartfelt and nice and then at the very end of the film we kind of cut back to this idea of the fish in the cloud when when it seems that like cage's character has completely fucking lost everything he's kind of at the end of his tether he finally meets the man from the beginning of the movie that has that that he's that he decided to spring out of out of jail in this flood in this in this flood um, and the man takes him to, or, or he takes the man to a to an aquarium where they they sit outside the aquarium with all these fish behind them, and he asks him a question. I think, what, is it, what does he ask him? Um, do you believe, like do fish dream? Do fish dream? Yeah, and it kind of it it means nothing, but at the same time, it also kind of means everything. And I think that that's that it's, it's the same thing as the lizards. It, it, it's it's connected in this kind of um, instinctive. Um, sort of way that doesn't that doesn't seem to add up to the movie, but it seems to indicate that the characters have more than the, there's more going on than 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 we realise more going on than just drugs and, and 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 healing and anarchy, you know. Because that really at the heart of the movie, it is about a man who's got a bad back. He's 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 constantly taking drugs to try to first of all because he's just a depraved fuck, but also because it's stopping him from feeling that pain. He's he's quashing his pain with 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 uh, with all these different you know um, you know narcotics. Well, yeah, just like his dad is, just like his girlfriend is, and and it's people, no everyone do- around him is kind of doing that in their own way. Like even I think there's there is a key scene in this like um, that really really like brings it all like kind of full circle for me and it's something that um the gangster like the kind of uh, italian mobster says and it's um i feel like it kind of sums up a lot of it for me yeah like because cage himself like has an opportunity kind of there's a there's an ongoing like thing with a bookie and like gambling and then oh yes of course has a chance to like make like fifteen hundred thousand dollars or something like that for yeah. every shipment that um little fate it's bringing in mm. yet still wants more and it's what that gangster says when um he comes to confront cage and like little fate and he says like like cage is like well this 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 like bag of heroin um is more like than i owe you and he's like why don't i take the whole thing yeah yeah because yeah. i'm too old and I'm still doing this shit. I haven't made the money I need to get out. So to in get the done with it. In the past, he would have just taken what he was owed, but now he'll just take it all. And that is kind of like that rings to me. Is that that's kind of what what like Cage's character Terry McDonough mm. is doing? Like he's not just he's almost too deep in the flood of just like badness and like immorality yeah yeah that like he can't just take mm. 
mm. what like what is his fair share mm. he has to he has to go overboard he yeah. has to go over and like yeah he he feels that he is deep does that, does that no I I, I, that I, I think I think there is definitely no, def, there's definitely something to that yeah I mean it's like you were saying earlier as well it's not you know a more conventional director would have made this a, a redemption story, but it's not really about that. It, in fact, it makes it very obvious at the end of all of this, of the, all this crazy shit that's gone down, that 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 he is returning to 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 to, to doing more crime. Essentially, that that he hasn't changed as a person. He might he might be drinking sparkling water in, instead of uh, instead of something else, but he's he's still just as bad on the inside as he ever was. Well, he it's like he's found a way to push. To kind of keep those worlds separate, yeah. Like his home life seems to be like relative normality with um, Frankie, like pregnant and like him obviously getting the promotion mm. and then living in what looks like the perfect suburban house, yeah. And like all looks like it's on the up and up, but like and he looks like a complete different guy, yeah, yeah. To this kind of like gargoyle-esque like yeah, dishevelled hu- yeah, monster hunched over yeah, yeah. like just sitting in that hotel room like I don't know with this kind of like scratch and he looks like the same guy from the beginning mm. and just moments earlier like he yeah. was he, he looked like a stand up regular guy and like mm. to a point you made about like he hasn't changed so like what's really interesting about that is like this film like kind of ends with this like like manical mm. laugh do you know what I mean like and just kind of halfway like it's like a and then just like kind of stops Mm. and it's like that like that ambiguity of that of like kind of like whoa like I don't like I mean yeah if this is a morality tale if this is rather rather than the conventional redemption thing if it actually is just trying to sort of show us that there is no there there is no such thing as morality um, that's kind of that's kind of interesting because because it clearly does take a stance. You are supposed to think that the things that he he's doing are bad. We might kind of, in a sense, be seeing them from his perspective, because like you were saying at one point that as the movie goes on, sort of in the second half, what he's seeing doesn't seem to be as rational as as it. It doesn't seem to be like. I mean, it, it can almost be that he we're only seeing what he sees, yeah, as like, opposed to as opposed to just the actual characters in the movie who have that lead their own lives autonomously. You know what I mean? It, we're kind of his, it, we're seeing things now from his warp perspective as opposed to before. Yeah, because it kind of gets like bizarre and like very theatrical. Like there is a moment like um, when like just it's almost like enter stage left. Like, yeah, the, it's one shot as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 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 chief like kind of comes in. and He's like, "We've got it." Yeah, like, and yeah. everyone is just animated and kind of like this like very unnatural and like. Yeah, suddenly all of his dreams come true because uh, because because he gets all the money that uh, that he owed to the to to the guy that he's in debt to the gambling guy. Suddenly he gets ten grand in a in an envelope that he puts down yeah, there, and played by the amazing Brad the Riff, of, of his course, kind of yeah. bookie. Uh, those of you may know him as the voice of like Chucky, and like yeah, he plays uh, Charles Lee Ray in the like um, Child's Play films, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of like. He also played an alien in a, in another Herzog film, and he's also in Blue Velvet as well, isn't he? And some yeah, some yeah. other Lynch stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. Um, he's. I definitely remember him from that um, strange scene, like the 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 singing scene. You know, like yeah, when they yeah. Before yeah. is it an Elvis song that's it's, performed? It's the uh, it's a uh, Candy Club Clown, isn't it? It's not Elvis. It's um, it's I can't remember the guy's name. You know, fuck it. Yeah, What's yeah. going on? But like. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and Brad the Riff, is just, he's popped up. Like I saw him amazingly in an episode of Criminal Minds recently. Oh yeah, uh, where he, yeah, fantastic just shows up. Yeah, yeah. but like <laughs> in this, it's kind of got it's peppered with just like great performances from people like Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, yeah, great like character actors, like mm. not like, and it might not necessarily be ah oh, like. I know exactly who that. Do you know what I mean not like oversaturated like certain actors like you know everything they've been in. This is a bit more like oh, I kind of kind of know who that guy is. Yeah, like, yeah, and then they just sort of come out of the woodwork it's and they kind of just sort of... disappear back into it. Yeah. But everyone in their own right is great. Like obviously Jennifer Coolidge, mm. um, famous for playing Stifler's mum yeah, in the American yeah, Pie course. franchise. But she's great in this. Like what? she plays yeah, a nice yeah. counterpoint, like not a counterpoint, like a mirror mm. of Cage. That like oh, she even says at one point, doesn't she? She goes, "You and me were birds of a feather. Like you don't have to hide your cocaine." And there's, it kind of looks in that scene like they're going to have a sex scene. Yeah, it has that I, vibe. I, I, I was ve- I was very like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like the moments in that as well, like reminded me, especially the way it was shot and just like the kind of focusing on the mundanity of everyday life and just like kind of I've, yeah yeah home life of uh, like David Lynch's um Twin Peaks the return yeah yeah like, these kind of the, scenes of just people watching TV and focus literally we watch the TV for a while and yeah that kind of stuff yeah it's interesting yeah I'd like to know with the stuff that is seen on TV because mm. obviously like none of that is ever an accident. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah. with more time and like, do you know what I mean, we could like, as we know about the when we when we watched the uh, the the Nicolas Cage uh, Wicker Man film, there's the bit at the beginning where he's uh, he. I, I thought for a while there were phantom horse sounds that were coming out <laughs> of nowhere, but instead it was actually that they were playing from the TV because he's watching some kind of cowboy movie. But of course, you know, maybe that means nothing. You know, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a reference to Cowboys for Je- Cowboys for Jesus. The what would have been the original Wicker Man sequel. What what became the Wicker Tree? I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm sure the TV scenes mean something. Um, but I just think I don't know. Looking back on this film, cause it is hard to describe it without actually seeing it. It's a difficult movie, uh, not only to analyse but to break down. I think I think that there is something shamanic going on in this movie. I think it's about a, a moral man who on on a on a deep perhaps reptilian level is is a bad guy but but the, but he has some mystical ability and and maybe it is just that he he's he's at the crime scenes because he's a criminal as well and he's embroiled in these worlds but the fact that he that that character says that line that like oh you've had enough one of your visions again i think also presents me the idea that he's kind of people know that this guy has visions and we're seeing his visions throughout the movie there's something it there's there's the mystical and the visceral that are always kind of um in the in this kind of incestuous relationship with each other and sometimes with this with this action cam as you called it earlier we're actually entering that mystical space we're seeing things through like we literally we follow an actual live alligator approaching the animatronic dead alligator in the middle of the road through the shaky cam as if like cage's mind is like wandering through the stratosphere in some sort of reptilian nightmare that is fantastic <laughs> stuff um well i feel like we should talk about like the fact that this is like it's actually something here that says like this was like promoted as a remake of the 1992 bad lieutenant right and, yeah um, i'm confused about this a crazy link they were actually both released on the exact same day whoa um just obviously 
however many years apart. So, um, yeah, the 20th of November, uh, 1992 and 2009, respectively. Don't wow. ask me to do the maths. I think. <laughs> How many years later, uh, that is. Um, so, yeah, Werner Herzog, though, claims this is not a remake. He says he's never seen the original and does not consider um, it a remake. Additionally, producers seem to have added Bad Lieutenant to the title in order to get better marketing. Right, of course. Whether remake, reimagining, follow-up, or none of the aforementioned, both movies are clearly connected by a basic plot of drug addict, violent cop, and like sex encounters, and it's 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 that it's that specific sex encounter that we've mentioned a lot already. It's that one that seems to. I can't believe that there is no connection because that seems it has to be linked on some level. Even if Herzog didn't see it, I mean, I'd be interested to know who wrote this script and whether or not Herzog, how much Herzog actually had to do with it. Because is is it not possible that he got this script and then decided to sort of add his own shit to it? And and the guy who originally wrote the script was thinking of Bad Lieutenant at the time. Well, I definitely think that was the case because obviously, like the the moving it over to uh, New Orleans. Yeah, and um, it was originally set in New York, but then it was Herzog's choice to change it, right? Yeah, and well, like that and budgetary thing, mm. maybe because like they got Herzog on board, like they knew that it wasn't going to be a commercial beast that could have been. And like, you know I mean? they're not going to yeah. be able to pump in the the hundreds of millions of dollars that they do into other films. And obviously, straight away, it's 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 a higher certificate film. Well, like, but it's but it seems it seems crazy as well because obviously Abel Ferreira is also an art director. You know what I mean? Like he's not making conventional films, which are especially not now. Like the stuff he's made with like Defoe in the last few years and stuff like Four 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 and things like that. Like they're all, those movies didn't make you know millions of dollars. You know they might have cost that much, but they certainly didn't make it back. Well, like, they are, like Abel Ferrara himself, like said in an interview, uh, <laughs> whoa, uh, finding out that the movie is being remade was a horrible feeling, like when you're being robbed, and those involved in this remake should all die in hell. Wow, I think you've got to die to go to hell. I think I think yeah. it's, uh, well, I think it maybe means sort of die again and again and be sort of tortured by sort of small imps or something like that, you know. And on Nicolas Cage's performance, he says he can't believe he had the nerve to even touch Harvey Keitel's performance. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's sad. I mean, there, there, there's been there's obviously we've seen a I mean fucking National Treasure too. They're both in that. Yeah, they're both in both National Treasure films. Yeah, yeah. They like, and, and like, I think that is the last time they were on screen together. Right. So that moment in National Treasure 2 was like the, like, whether they knew it or not, was ha- handing the baton of the bad <laughs> lieutenant yeah. on. Um, the writer of this film is a guy called William M. Uh, Finkelstein. Finkelstein. Oh. Who I looked at his credits on what he's written. This is the one and only film. Um, what? piece of work he's ever written on he's kind of like made his name and like worked a lot on kind of like just tons and tons of cop shows right so like okay so that actually kind of makes sense he's done loads of cop shows I mean it's it's almost like uh, he must have he must have been picked for specifically for writing that kind of script or maybe what he was doing was he was he wrote the script he sort of ferried it around he was like look I do cop shows but I've got this idea for this film probably inspired by the original Bad Lieutenant Herzog picks it up, goes, let's get rid of all this bullshit, cuts up some of the bullshit, adds in the crazy fish and the alligators, and that's the movie we've got. Is that possible? I reckon so. <laughs> yeah. I reckon so, because this, like, 
I feel like Herzog doesn't doesn't care about the title. Like the yeah, title, yeah. he has said himself, he wishes it didn't. It didn't have that title that could have added to its detriment, right? Because yeah. people were expecting maybe a bad like, remake. Yeah, and or just like a film that was exactly the same as that original. Just... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a shame that he he shuns it so much though, because whether he's seen the movie or not. I do think that there is an interesting connection between these two movies. And I think they're kind of, weirdly, as companion pieces, I think they kind of work quite well together. Because, I mean, there's you were mentioning earlier, I don't remember the original Bad Lieutenant that well. But as you were mentioning about like, the nuns and stuff in the original, there is, there's a level of mysticism running through that far more depraved and scary movie. This feels light-hearted in comparison to, to that film. Well, in my well there memory. is a moment in this film that I thought, like, they must be referencing... The original, because when he's oh. in uh, Feruza Bulk's apartment, yeah. when they're about to like kind of engage in some illustrious like Le- leathery acts, boots, leather sex. boots, yeah, and she's like treads on his cock, yeah, yeah. It, it weirdly looks as if he, there's there's something going on in his trousers, but it's actually just another ill-fitting cage costume. Yeah, I don't get I don't get the costume, and he's, he's he solely wears one suit unless he's in his kind of like. Um, Police like regalia when he's up for the up <laughs> yeah. for the but that, that is it. He wears this beige, one beige, of... ill-fitted suit, which is mirrored back to him in the character of Little Fate, who seems to seems to just have the same tailor, same ill-fitted, <laughs> yeah. same beige, like kind of horrible suit. But yeah, so in that scene, we see what, what like beside this, the leather sexy boots on the desk. There's loads of statuettes of, of yeah, yeah like of the like of, saints and like angels and like yeah Mother yeah mary just yeah stuff. mary stuff like that i mean that how can it not be a reference to that this is i, I think this is this is i mean when when uh, i mentioned jodorowsky earlier again about the about the about the penises um but but uh, jodorowsky said that he never read dune before he he, he chose to adapt it and of course you know it was ill-fated he never got to make it of course brad what was his name again? Sorry, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif was in David Lynch's Dune as well, so there's a connection here as we're talking talking about that um, with some stuck-on eyebrows as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he he never read the book before he adapted it, and I think he said some pretty harsh things about about Herbert as a writer, despite apparently never having read it. Um, I think there's something about artists sort of adapting things that they don't they don't want their vision to be tinged by somebody else's, and I think there's a beauty in that. So I reckon Herzog wouldn't have even known. When he when he when he picked up the script and said I want to film it, that it necessarily was a bad lieutenant thing, especially if it had a different title. Herzog would have just been like, okay, let's let's do it. I like the idea of a bad cop. And then he was just like, you know. And then later on, when the when they the studio tried to put the title on it, he suddenly was like, fuck. They they sort of tricked me into making a remake. Well, is that is that really interesting thing as well of having two people coming from two different like viewpoints and essentially making films that are like familiar and like can like have a lot of similarities and that's mm-hmm. that to me is super super cool yeah, like, do you yeah. know what I mean I it's it like yeah. I don't know it would be like almost like saying to me and you like here's the seed of a story go home write what you can yeah 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 throw some things on that yeah and yeah. if you're like creative enough like will there be I don't know I don't know if there was stuff that like what was had to be in this like had to be in this do you know what I mean like mm, mm. what were their points was there like 
mate, I'm, I don't know. I don't know whether the writer or like the studio maybe like led led Herzog down a path. Like maybe he had this scene of him sh- shaking down for drugs, and someone said like, "Oh, how about how about like you bit of sex? How about you get him in set and like him not realizing that they're coercing him into essentially." mirroring a scene oh man that would be really that would be really nuts if that was the case that is very interesting but it, it's such a key scene in the film I, I think it can't be it's got to be a stake, uh, it's got to be a case of uh, is it Finkelstein and whatever his name was yeah, yeah. it's got to be a case of him having been inspired by it and having written his own version I think that's it um, overall though I do think this movie works I'm not sure why it does but I'm, 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 I'm well I know the, the first two things first of all Herzog's sort of brilliant at like this atmosphere that he conjures up. He he does it every single work that he's ever made. And secondly, because of Cage, if you replace Cage with another actor in this movie, I don't think it would work. I no. think it's 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 unique to him, and he and he really owns the role and makes it makes it fun. In that in that, there's a great scene where he 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 goes into the uh, into the pharmacy to get his drugs kind of earlier on. Yeah, and, the and mirrors like yeah matchstick men, but it is that ramped up. Mm-hmm. So like eleven fucking million of him just like kind of like ah like like pulling guns on people like give me the fucking prescription <laughs> yeah, now like yeah. like you've had me waiting here for forty minutes while you should make a fucking personal call <laughs> yeah. and like he's yeah. just he's just and enraged and like I don't know I like to think that that is Herzog like kind of like going hey send that. Thought you were great in that. Let's <laughs> let's do another like, pharmacy let, scene. <laughs> let's let, yeah, let's do a homage, or it's just a happy accident. Well, I like, think it, I reckon it's more of a happy accident. But once again, I mean, who knows? It could have actually been that that Finkelstein was inspired by Bad Lieutenant and Matchstick Men, <laughs> and he ended up coming. I mean, who fucking knows? I mean, who, who knows, man? Who knows? Um, so yeah, you would recommend. I'd recommend it. I think I think it doesn't it doesn't stand up there with with like with 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 some sort of crime movies or sort of like cop films. I don't know. It doesn't. It's not necessarily like one of the best, but it but it's but it's unique and there's nothing else quite like it. Um, and 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 it's and it's and it's it's never boring. Once again, I I, don't, I know it seems like a, a a sort of cheap thing to say about a movie, but I, I'm bored to fucking tears when I watch loads of movies. And this is not this is not like that at all. This well, is yeah. not G Force. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't get me started on G Force. <laughs> this podcast will go on for fucking ever. Um, it's, what, it, yeah, it's, what, one last thing I was going to say is it's nice. It's nice. Herzog does kind of more commercial films, and then he does his art house movies, and then he does documentaries. It's, it's. I think it's quite nice to see Herzog do these more commercial works, but also give them that kind of artistic, sort of creative auteur flair that he that he gives to his more sort of dedicated art house pieces. I think it really it breathes new life into the kind of pop big budget movies yeah I'm always a fan to always see stuff like that like mm. almost like one for them two for me yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but the one for them I'm still giving like a little slice of what I've got to offer exactly yeah like, yeah one of the, the things, wonder bread yeah one of the things with this like podcast is I don't know hopefully you guys at home have enjoyed this but like, I find it sometimes like I worry that these films, the ones that I enjoy, are yeah. maybe not the like, yeah, not the episodes that the listener like will latch onto. Or like, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, because like with the films that are inherently bad or 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 flawed or offensive mm. to the audience or just in any, they way, make for better conversation. They make for better, but 
this film, there's so much to unpack. Like, I feel like there is, there, like, me and you were batting ideas of what it could have been about. Like, even this, he is that physical personification yeah. of the hurricane and the destruction it has laid. And especially because it seems like he's singling out, like, black, mm, like... Mm lower class people a lot of the time like it's only little fate we see who's living in some time like form but, of like wealth but even we realise even that wealth is, is, is stunted when his wife and his and his child walk in and she says look can you look after uh, our child while I go to the shops and it angers little fate because little fate is still trying to live in this sort of fraudulent dream you wow. know he's, you know he's, they can't even afford a nanny or, a, or someone to look after look after him well I imagine you don't You've got to pay a nanny quite a lot to be like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, on ignore, call 24 ignore all, the, ignore all the... Oh, all the drugs. Oh, yeah, the I didn't think about that. Ignore all the drugs going on in our, yeah. in our house. Oh, they could get a drug nanny, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you would definitely watch this film. You've watched it I, I will times. watch. I will watch it again. I, I look forward to watching it again with a, with a, with a, with a, you know, with a finer tooth comb. Amazing. So, I would definitely watch this film again this is one of the ones that will not be put into the effigy at the end of the season and burnt in the field <laughs> this is one that will uh be on heavy rotation in the pat syllabus household oh fantastic but we're on to some little scores on how this film rated with those idiots on the internet okay is it, was it so, first rotten tomatoes imdb we're going with first and they gave this film six Point six out of ten. I knew it'd be a six. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I was already trying to say it. Yeah, yeah. And Rotten Tomatoes. This film scores. I think. I think. Oh, I think it's a. I think it's a forty percent. Eighty six percent. Oh, people liked it. Wow. Wow. And the late great Roger Ebert yeah. gave this film four out of four. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. That's yeah. pretty good. I mean. You know, you know I, I'm sure I must have expressed some of my feelings on Ebert in the past. Sometimes he gets it fucking properly wrong. A lot of the time, I just feel exactly the same as he does. I think in this case, he's totally right. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's it's at least a three and a half or a four. Well, you know. he, he says about it, no one is better at this kind of performance than Nicolas Cage. He's a fearless actor. He doesn't care if you think he goes over the top. If a film calls for it, he will crawl to the top hand over hand with bleeding fingernails regard him in films as various as Wild at Heart and Leaving Las Vegas he and Herzog were born to work together they are both made restless by caution oh oh, god damn that's beautiful so like I feel like quoting Roger Ebert makes everything else we've said redundant. He's <laughs> yeah. put it so poetically, <laughs> then our rambly shambles. Talk, of a, talk about Rasputin's dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then we get such such beautiful words from that. Um, but one of the things, like, I've re- just wanted to add is that um, Nicolas Cage had to uh, like has to come out and said that like he wasn't under the influence whilst making this film. Oh, nice. So, obviously, like, people must have, like, speculated. Like, it was actually baby powder he was sniffing. Yeah, um, yeah. But linking it to uh, Leaving Las Vegas, a film where he actually got drunk. Did he? To play that part. Which wow. makes me not feel so bad about getting drunk whilst <laughs> recording that episode because the subject matter is definitely sensitive <laughs> yeah. and uh, has some... Has some baggage in the real life 
seeing as the writer of the book eventually fulfilled his self prophecy of killing himself in Las Vegas. Yeah, good Lord. Good Lord. Good Lord. Heartbreaking. Crazy. He also wrote uh, an episode of Rugrats, I found out today, that writer. Wow. And he was, he, he managed to, a friend of his managed to get him on board for the, the first season of Rugrats. And uh, after writing the episode, he found out that they changed almost all of it. And he was just like, that's fucking disgusting. That's when he, he turned it. to the booze. Well, well, was that, well, it was actually, it was actually, it was only, it was only two weeks after we found out that they were going to make Leaving Las Vegas that he, uh, that he uh, shot himself. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Dark notes. Dark notes. So on that somber, somber, <laughs> somber tone, I have been Petrus Patsilvus. I've been Bob. You have been listening to two men sat in a living room. Trying to make sense of all these lizards and reptiles <laughs> crawling around. I will not be able to sleep tonight without thinking that a lizard is going to crawl out from under <laughs> my bed and onto my face. And remember next time when you shoot a man, make sure to shoot him an extra time to get rid of his dancing soul and let that lizard crawl on. And if you're doing a drug deal and people walk in, make sure you've got installed a nice handy shotgun under your desk because you never know when you're going to need to pull that bad boy off. So don't go out, guys, tonight and shake people down for drugs because it's not nice. People just want to enjoy themselves. (laughs) We've been caged in. Love you. Bye-bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copo Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.